Well, good morning. Good morning. If you haven't heard me say that before. I'll tell you what, uh, during Sunday school, Chad was up here and he said he was a C team. And then, I don't know, somebody said there Adam said he was a D. I don't know how it all went. But I'll tell you what, it's like uh, missing Jeff and missing Corey's like missing two of the best basketball players when they both get hurt with their knee. It's like they just clear the bench and just let the rest of us handle it. So I kind of feel, I don't know if there's a BT. We're all on varsity because Corey is going to, he's going to say something when he, when he listens to his back. We can't call her sort of JV or anything like that. He's a, he, he bounced the book off her head. I'm pretty sure about that. But, uh, but man, it is a good day. It is a good morning. You know what? Right quick. Stand up, turn around, and tell somebody good morning. Tell them how good looking they are this morning. Do that right quick. Sometimes you guys are probably like, God, didn't you know that? <laughs> no, I just found it, you know. And so, but I like to, I like to see that because it's the way that I'm growing in the faith, and it's 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 what's uh, what's been put on my heart. The thing is that I can stand up here, and I'm not going to tell you some message because I know anything better, because I'm better a better Christian, or I'm a, I'm not I'm not doing it out of that. I'm doing it just because I'm. I'm like one of you guys, and, and something reveals to me, and, and I heard the message first, and it hit me in a certain way, so I'm just revealing it to you guys. So um, that's kind of what has happened this morning, and uh, when we learned that Corey wasn't going to be able to make it uh, like Friday or something like that, then Jeff's like, what do you think about Sunday? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how it's going to all work out. So this morning, uh, well, yesterday we had some company and, and didn't have a lot of time to sit down and prepare. And so last night after the kids went to bed, I sat down and wrote like two or three notes out and just things going through my head. And this morning I got up early and was writing some things out and, and it's changed like four or five times the message that I was going to deliver. So this morning, I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know. So just buckle your seatbelt and get ready because we're about to take this thing off and see what happens. But... Uh, 
But it is good to see you guys this morning. Thanks for coming. Uh, Corey always says, Beecher Island, I mean, it's an awesome place. It's an awesome place. Beecher Island is an independent, non-denominational, Bible-preaching, Jesus-loving church. And that is exactly what we are. And that's what's so cool about being who we are, that every word that gets preached comes out of this book and this book alone. Nothing man-made. It's all, it's all right here out of this stuff. And we can be pretty safe in that, knowing that that's where the truth comes from, and that's where it is, and, and we pull everything that is said out of that book. And we're safe. We don't have to worry about anything else because we, we have get God's safety net right there. And so um, it, is, it is good to see you all this morning. Uh, you know what? Before we get fired up, I'm going to pray one more time just to get myself settled down. <laughs> and we'll get going. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you this morning. Thank you for, for your word. Thank you for this Bible. Thank you for this thing that we can pluck, pluck Scripture out of, see how it ties into other things, and, uh, and God, how it applies to our life. And God, we thank you that we have the ability to, to sort through it, to look, look at things that might hit us in a certain way. And Lord, I just pray this morning that we are open to your message that I am. First and foremost, that I speak truth uh, and let you use me the best way that, that uh, you can. And Lord, if something comes out of my mouth that's wrong, that it just falls on deaf ears and it don't go nowhere. And God, this morning, I just pray that we all open our hearts as we open our Bibles and, and, uh, and learn from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I like cowboy poetry. And uh, there's a guy named Waddy Mitchell. I don't know if anybody knows about Waddy Mitchell, but he's, yeah, we got some Waddy Mitchell fans. He's got one called Typical. Out on the cliff's edge, Further than he'd ever been before, he sat, legs dangling high above the valley floor. He was lost in thought, taking in the grandeur of it all when a gust of wind unseated him and he began to fall. It was a drastic situation. He dare not think slow, for certain death awaited in the rocky crags below. So he called upon a friend. I guess the only one he could, you know, the one that we all forget about when things are going good. He said, God. If you help me now, I'll quit my sinful ways. I'll do the things you'd have me do. I'll work hard all my days. I'll quit the booze and cigarettes. I'll help my loving wife. I'll spend time with my children. I'll turn around my life. I'll work to help the needy. I'll promise to repent. Just then a tree branch snagged his coat and stopped his fast descent. And all hanging from that tree that grew out on that rocky shelf, he looked skyward and said, Never mind, I handled it myself. <laughs> Man, isn't that true? Isn't that how we do that? We, man, we're sitting up there and things are looking good. We're on top of the world. I mean, things are going right in our life and, and we don't even see it coming. And bam, sideline. Something happens. Something happens to knock us off course, knock us off kilter. And all of a sudden, boy, we hit our knees, don't we? I mean, I do. I'm like, God, I'm, I'm falling. I don't know what to do. I can't handle this on my own. You're the only one that can do it. I'll figure it out. I'll turn my life around. We'll do all the right things, this and that. And then he comes in and saves you. He comes in and, and, and grabs a hold of you and takes care of you. And then everything kind of straightens back out. And you're like, ah, oh, never mind. I had that all along. I do that. I do that. And the truth is that when, uh, when we come and we hit our knees in prayer so hard when things, when we're going through trials and we're going through tough times in our life, we hit our knees and we're asking for, for direction and what to do. And then God provides that. Uh, sometimes it takes a little while. Sometimes it takes a couple years. Sometimes it takes a long while to get through whatever it might be. But then, in my experience, I've been able to look back 
And I can look back and be like, you know, at that time, I was like, where are you, God? And five years down the road, I can look back and be like, well, there he was the whole time. And we should hit our knees just as hard and praise him and worship him for doing what he did for us to get us through whatever it was that we were going through. And, you know, people say that God can't give you anything you can't handle. And I've got to add to that. I've got to correct that in a way. The yes, he does, because there have been things in my life I can't handle on my own. He doesn't give you anything you can't handle as long as He's with you. As long as He's in your seat with you. As long as He's pushing you along. As long as He's the one. As long as you're leaning on Him, you'll get through it. You can't get through it alone. There's things that Andrew and I have been through that ain't no way we could have done it. But anyway, just, just thinking about that. Just thinking about, about that. How we can change our hearts. Like, uh, when Jeff was Jeff was uh, had texted me and, and uh, he asked if I could bring the message on Sunday. I said, yeah, I think I'm just going to start at Deuteronomy and I'm going to start at chapter 1 I'm just going to read for 30 minutes and then we'll send him be done. <laughs> so, so, is everybody okay with that? I'll tell you. He's like, no, how about Lamentations? I was like, oh, that's even better. <laughs> but, no, but I was kind of, kind of thinking about it and I was joking around it and as I was, I, was, I just thought, well, I'll flip over my Bible to, uh, to Deuteronomy and see if there's anything that just really pops out at me. Well, turns out there was something. I, I was in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and some of the things I don't like, don't go to that just yet. I'm sorry, you guys are like ahead of me. And, uh, uh, but then I was like, well, what does that mean? So then it led me to Exodus. And so if you do have your Bibles with you, open those to uh, Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16. And I'm going to set the stage for you just a little bit. Many of you may know it already. Um, but this, this is a time, this is uh, the Israelites have been in Egypt for 430 years. They have been in exile, or uh, yeah, they're slaves under the Egyptians. And, uh, and they've been there doing the things that the Egyptians would have them do for 430 years. And God promised them, I'm going to get you out of there. I'm going to get you out of there. And the time came, and, and, uh, and it was Moses who led them out of Egypt. And he, they came to the Red Sea. And I, I think about this because my mind works this way. But uh, I don't know how old the people were back then. I know Moses was fairly... Fairly long in his years. I didn't look that up exactly, but there were, there were surely some really young people, and there were some really older people that were that were being exiled, or they were getting back out of Egypt. And they were headed toward the Red Sea, and Moses was their leader, and he had his staff in his hand, and and like they looked over their shoulders, and there's 600 of these Egyptian soldiers coming at them and they got horses and they got chariots and they got their swords and they're I mean it's got to be crazy and I can just imagine like 120 oh, we better get it going come on <laughs> you know and there's this red sea in front of them what are we going to do where are we going to go and uh, they get there and they're like now what and God's like Moses get your staff out let's let's part this sea and man can you imagine being there and seeing these all these all this stuff coming behind you, all these soldiers, and they're, they're, they're going to come and kill us. And then Moses holds out his staff, and this big old sea parts. And it's like there's a wall of water on each side, and right through the middle of it, it's like dry ground. That's what the Bible says. It was dry ground. And he's like, yep, let's go. Come on. You know, they're, get, get on through there. And they get through there, and of course the sea comes back in and wipes out all the Roman soldiers, and they're on the other side of the Red Sea. And man, it is, it is awesome. And, and they wrote, I mean, they wrote words how awesome, how awesome God was. They had a whole a song of Moses and Israel, and they're praising the Lord of how awesome He is. And we've, we've had all this faith in you, God, and we knew that you'd do it. We knew you could get us through there. And they get to the other side, and they're praising woohoo, and they write this song out, and it's all awesome. And then a few days go by, 
right? A few days goes by and it brings us to, to chapter 16. And, and uh, well, right before that, um, they needed some water. And, and God fixed that for them. The water was bitter, and they put it. Moses put a tree in the water, and it sweetened it up. So they had water, and it brings us to to verse uh, chapter sixteen. So I'm just going to read for quite a little while here. Then they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Now I'm going to say this right quick. This is the wilderness of Sin. That is, it's capitalized. It's a place. It's not that thing that we all have titled in our heart or whatever, but it's a place. On the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, What that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from the heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I might test them, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for He hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you the meat to eat in the evening and the bread to the full in the morning. For the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against Him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to all the congregations of the sons of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for He has heard your grumblings. It came about as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the sons of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in a cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the groanings of the sons of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it came about at evening that the quails came up and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man as much as he should eat. You shall take an omer, a piece according to the number of persons each of you has in his tent. The sons of Israel did so, and some gathered much, and some little. When they measured it with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man gathered as much as he should eat. I'm just going to stop right there for just a second. Man, uh, they were out there. There was a point where they were just praising God, worshiping Him, how awesome He was, that they got us, they got them out of this, this place where they were persecuted, where they were slaves. They weren't living in their own country. They were bummed out. They were sad. And then Moses got them out of there with God's divine. It was God that got them out of there, and Moses was just the guy he used got them across there and they, they wrote this song and they're praising him how awesome he was that they're, they're back there. They're on the path to the promised land, the land that God had promised them that they were going to live in and, and have it forever. And then it comes to this place and they're all of a sudden out in the wilderness and they're by themselves and they're hungry. Is there a wilderness in your life right now? That's my question. What wilderness do you have in your life? I know there's things that, that I wake up every morning that weighs heavy on me, whether it's whether it has to do with 
how I am as a dad or how I am as a husband or how I am as a manager or farm and ranch in operation. What wilderness do you have in your life? What, what are those things you can't, you can't take care of on your own? The things that starve in you because you're not sure how to take the next step, what the next thing is. Maybe they're, they're what sin is it? I think it's, I, I mentioned that earlier that, that it came to the wilderness of sin, which was a place, but man, there's probably a reason that they use that, that name of that place. There's a wilderness in our lives, there's sin in our lives. Sometimes we get stuck out there. We get stuck out there not knowing which way to turn, not knowing what, what to do next. And this was all right at the beginning of a 40-year term that the Egyptians, or I'm sorry, that the Israelites were going to be wandering around out in the wilderness. They had no place to call home. They are just wandering out there. And God was using this. For 40 years they did this. For 40 years they wandered around out there. But this specific time, God was seeing. He was checking. What? What are you going to do? Are you with me? You know, just back over there across the sea and right after we got through it, you were praising my name. You were worshiping me. You came to me. You gave me your whole heart. And now that we're out here, are you, are you going to stay with me? You're a little bit hungry. Are you going to trust in me? What are you going to do in your wilderness? What are you going to do in your wilderness? So as we go on through there, what I think is just amazing, what I think is just amazing is that God told them, well, I'm going to take care of you. And He let this manna come down out of heaven. I mean, it rained manna. And they woke up the next morning and the dew went off. And it says, um, when the layer of dew evaporated, behold, on the surface of the wilderness is a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. I can imagine being hungry and being like, oh, I just like a little bread to eat. They had quails, so we're, we're okay for a little while. We need some bread. Have we woke up? Have you woke up in the morning on a cold winter's day? And you've seen a frost that's just the, like that would take your breath away? I've seen the, the wires on fence posts, or, you know, on fences that they look like they're that big around and trees are just full. I mean, they're they're huge. I mean, they look purtier than they are when they're full leaf, you know, that there's just all this frost and it's built up around the power lines and and, and it's just amazing. And and I think about how amazing that looks today, and there's Nothing that I can get out of that except for just to look at it and be like, that's pretty cool, God. I couldn't do that. You did something awesome. But to look out and to see the manna. And, and it says it was like, it was fine as frost on the ground. And to look out there and just be like, whoa. They didn't understand what it was. And Moses is like, that's the bread that God sent for you to eat. And so they go out there and he told them to go gather it. Go gather. Gather as much as, as you will, as every man should eat. You shall take it. He said, an omer apiece. So they go out there and they're gathering this, and they've got people back in their tents, but they're gathering enough bread for all the people that might be in their tent plus themselves. And they go out there and they, and, uh, and, and uh, some gathered much and some little. Some gathered a lot, some didn't gather very much. When they measured with an omer, he who had gathered much had no excess. That's what blows my mind. Is he, they had no excess. And no, we'll get to it. And he who gathered little had no lack. Everyone had enough bread. They had enough. They had enough. They didn't gather any extra. They didn't gather not enough. Everyone had enough. God provided enough bread for them to fill their hunger, to fill what they were, what they were needing. 
as I thought about that, and, and uh, that, this is what led me to it to begin with, back in Deuteronomy chapter 8, I flipped open my Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and that's so it's kind of backwards the way that I worked through it. But uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 2, talking to the Israelites, he says, You shall remember all the way in which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these 40 years. So there it is again. They were out there for 40 years. And that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. He humbled you and led you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. I'm going to just mention right quick. He says he let you be hungry. He let you be hungry. That he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. He let you grow hungry. He wanted you to understand that man does not live by bread alone, but from everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. And then it clicked. Where have we seen this, this Scripture before? In the New Testament. In the New Testament. If we flip over to Matthew 4.4, there's a time... There's a time right after Jesus was baptized by, the, by John the Baptist in the river. And then there's this time that goes by where he was tempted by the devil. And I'm just going to start in, in chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, then he became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. You know what? I mean, it's a tempter. It's a devil. Like, he knows what he's dealing with. He knows that this is the Son of God. He knows that this is the Messiah. He knows that he's got all the power in the world. And Jesus went out there, and he was surely hungry because he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. I couldn't get past four hours, I don't think. But he 40 days and 40 nights, and he was one hungry Jesus. He was one hungry Jesus. And, and the devil says... You see them stones right there? Why don't you just turn those into bread? You're so good. You know what? You got power. You can do what you want. And Jesus could have. He could have. He could have been like, I don't need you to tell me to do that. If I'm hungry, I'll take care of it. How do you think he got through the 40 days and 40 nights? He's, he's God, right? But the devil said, turn those stones into bread. And then Jesus said, but he answers and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I didn't realize that that's where it was written back in Deuteronomy. And Jesus knew that. I didn't realize that that's where it came from. The man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus knew all the Scriptures. Jesus was God. And He quoted it to the devil. He said, devil, you, you, ain't, you, you ain't got nothing on me. You ain't got nothing on me. Man can't live on bread alone. Man has to live on the word that comes from God. John chapter 1. This is where it takes me to. John chapter 1. Sorry, we're flipping a lot, around a lot in the Bible this morning, but it says, John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with, He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. In Him was life. 
and the life was the light of men. This is, this is the Word. It was in the beginning. And then we sneak right over there. And Corey's preached on this before. Sneak over to verse 14. It said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So understand, there are many people in here that do understand, but I'm just going to reiterate it, that Jesus was there in the beginning. Jesus was the Word. He was with God in the beginning. And so, back in Deuteronomy, when, when He says that men cannot live on bread alone, but from the Word that comes out of God's mouth, that is what He's talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 4.4. Man cannot live on bread alone, but you live on every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. Jesus is the Word. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the bread. Uh, <clears throat> we've been going through John 6 here in, in the service for over a year now, I think. Um, so it's kind of cool to kind of jump back into that because it just started making remember things that Corey had said clear back when he was talking about Jesus and the bread of life. And, uh, and in chapter 6 and verse 32, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, saying, Church, open your eyes. I'm telling you right now. I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus is talking about Himself. We know that. And then they said to Him, Lord, always give us this bread. Sneaking over to verse 47, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. I just think it's so cool sometimes when, when we can look at Scripture that we know well. Especially from, I'm just saying for me, that I know, I know some Scripture fairly well in the New Testament. And you know what it means. I mean, I've known for a long time that Jesus is the bread of life. But to go back and find something in the Old Testament where the Scripture came from that Jesus talked about, and to find that, and to, just to make all the connections, just sometimes it blows my mind how, how, how cool that it, it just goes to prove that this whole Bible is, is tied together. It is, it is one thing. There's not... I mean, we... We call it an Old and a New Testament, but that's just the way they broke it up. I mean, it is all the Word of God. So, and and we, put, we put books in there, we put chapters, we put verses so that we can get to certain places, but it's all, it's all the Word of God. It's all His. It's all His. There's nothing about it that, that contradicts another part of it, but all of it intertwines. And it's so cool to go back and just dive through that and see how awesome that is. The thing that I think is so awesome... It's back in Exodus when, when the manna was out there, and they went and they even measured it with an omer. An omer, I'm, I don't know how big an omer is, but they went and seen how much of this manna they could put in there, that each person would have an omer, right? And some gathered little, and some gathered in excess, but they all had the amount that they needed. They all had the same measuring device by which they went and got this manna. They all had the same shot at going and get the amount of manna that they needed. They didn't have excess. They didn't have too much. They didn't have little. They didn't go hungry. They all had everything that they needed. Jesus is the bread of life. I think about our faith today. I think about the faith that we all have in Jesus Christ. 
and today, you know, I've, I've compared myself to other people before, and I thought, you know, I just don't have quite as much faith as such and such does. Or, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm doing okay and they're not doing as well because I have just a little more faith than they do. I don't think you can find that anywhere in the Bible. Here's the thing. When we have faith, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. We know what faith is. It's something you can't see. It's something that you have, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. It is faith. It is, it is something. It is faith in the Lord. You can't have too much of it. And you can't have too little of it. You have faith. You have the same faith that I do. We both believe in Jesus. We both believe that He was the Son of God. We both believe that when we die, we have a place right up there in heaven with Him. We have faith. Can we grow in our faith? Absolutely. I think we can grow in our faith. The more we understand this book, the more we read, the more we talk to people, we can grow in that and understand it more. But faith, I don't think, you can't have more faith than I do. If you believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in Jesus Christ, we have the same faith. We have everything we need. And it's not like if I have a little more faith then I can use it someplace else or, it, or maybe it's going to spoil. That's not how that works either. You have faith. That's it. You can't have too little of it. You have what you need. You have what you need to fill you up. To fill you up, to fill your spirit. If you have faith, you have what you need. That's how awesome our God is. So, so then I had the question, okay, so what about what about the scripture that says, when you have faith the size of a mustard seed? And I'm like, oh man. What do I do with that, God? Because that's putting an amount on it. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can make that mountain move from there and throw it itself into the ocean. If you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say this mulberry tree to pick it up and, and root yourself in the sea, I think is what it says. The faith the size of a mustard seed. And so when I read that, when I read that scripture, I'm going, oh man, God, I don't even have that much faith if I can't get something in my life to move the way that I want it to. What do I do? I don't even have that much faith. I was just thinking about it this morning. You know what? Jesus was just using this as the ability to, to, for people to understand if you have faith, you can do amazing things through Him. And you know what? There's time. Like, I'm not going to go try to move a mountain and make it go into the ocean. I don't know what that would look like. I'm not going to try to make a mulberry uproot itself. Mulberry tree uproot itself. But there's mountains in my heart. There's trees that aren't where they're supposed to be in my heart. And if I have faith knowing that Jesus, faith in Him, that He is enough for me, that He is enough for me, it's like taking a shovel and a pick and getting one boulder out of there at a time. And with His strength, we're going to get through it together. Because sometimes it'll take 40 years to get through that. So what wilderness are you in? What wilderness are you in? Do you know... Do you know that you have some wilderness in your heart? Is there things that you're not sure how you're going to make it through? I'm going to tell you this. Jesus is the way. We'll get the music team to come back up here too. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is just like that manna that came down out of heaven. It was breathed by God. It came out of His mouth. There is enough. There is enough. And there is things in this world that, that we are embarrassed about, that there is nothing that, that, that we think, uh, you know what, I don't deserve it. 
I don't deserve it. I don't deserve your grace. I'm not going to admit that I did that wrong. But you know what? Jesus is enough. Just like we talked in Sunday school this morning, He was hung on a cross, a Roman cross, and He was beaten, and He was bloody. And it was prophesied that that was going to happen. Jesus did that for you. Because God loved you so much. Because God loved you so much. He wants you with Him forever. Forever. He wants you. And all you have to do is reach out and accept it. The, the manna is laying all over. It is out in front of us. All we have to do is just go grab our soul and our heart and just go scoop Him up and say, I want this. You're going to sustain me. It's not the bread that we take in our mouth that is going to give us life, but it is the bread that we get out of heaven that is spoke from God. The bread of Jesus Christ. He is who is going to give us life for eternity, forever. And I've said it before, I say it just about every time, that eternal life with God does not start the day that we get put in the ground. It does not start the day that our name gets written on a headstone, but eternal life with God starts the day that you ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. And when you ask Him to come into your heart, you are His. You are His child. And He is going to give you life. And yeah, we might be tested at times. James 1, 1, 3. James, James 1, 2, and 3. It says, Consider it joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect results, and you may be perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. I'm not saying that you're not going to get tested. Just like the Israelites, they got tested. God let them get hungry. God lets things happen to us, but He wants to know, hey, are you with me? Because I'm with you all the time. And I am enough. That is our God. That is our Jesus. That is how amazing He is. So today, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a personal relationship with Him, if you are sitting in your pew right now going, man, I wonder what that kid's got. I wonder what he's talking about. I'll tell you, it's free for the taking. He gave it to us. Our God gave it to us. He said, here, have it. Ask me in your heart. Today's the day. It's not too late. It ain't too early either. Today's the day. Today's the day. If you have been saved and you've thought about baptism, Corey's going to be back around. We'll, whatever. We'll find some water someplace. We'll baptize you. What an awesome feeling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh, we just thank you so much for for the bread of life. God, to know that you, you took care of those Israelites back in the desert long, long ago. God, you provided for them and you gave them everything that they needed, not in access, and everything that they needed. And God, today to connect that and just understand how important it is to know that Jesus is the bread of life. And God, that you sent him for us to have life. Life does not come through through just eating it. It's, it's, it's consuming you. Consuming and knowing that, that you are in us. That you are part of us. We are part of you. God, this morning I just pray for hearts this morning that they will know that you are enough. That there is nothing more that has to happen. God, you came as man and you hung on a cross. And all that sin, everything, like there, there, there's nothing, nothing left. We can't pay it enough, but we know that Jesus did. It's paid. 
it is finished. It is, it, is, it is paid for. There's nothing more that we can do. God, I just thank you so much. God, just the fact that after Jesus died and he was laid at a tomb, everyone thought he was dead, but three days later he was resurrected. God, that resurrection was so that the rest of us could have life too. Just knowing that he went on to prepare a place for us, God, we know knowing when we have you in our hearts that there is a that we are in, we're in your realm. And Lord, when we're done here on this earth, you've got a place for us and how awesome that is. But God, it gives us life, not, not just when we enter the grave, Lord, but it gives us life right now, abundant life. And the only way we get that is by eating the bread of life. Son of Jesus, Lord, we thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.